Hey everyone, thank you for joining me on the Activate Podcast. My name is Jill Pelkey. If you'd like to hear more past episodes, you can check them out on soundcloud.com or on iTunes by searching Jillian Pelkey Activate. All right, we're going to pray and then get right into the Word of God. God, we come before you and we thank you for this opportunity to spend time in your presence. We thank you for the word of God, which is active and alive, and it it looks at our heart and it separates motives and intentions, and it really helps us to see who we are. We thank you that your word is like a mirror, and we hold it up against ourselves and we can see who we truly are. And God, I pray today that we would take a long look at your holiness, a long look at your goodness, that God, we would see ourselves, we would become self-aware of who you've made us to be, who you intend us to be and that, God, we would change in your presence to be more like you, to be more true to who you've created us to be. God, I pray that we would be pure and holy, that we would bring glory to your name. Lord, open up our hearts even right now. Open up our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit to hear what you would say to us today. God of the whole universe, we just stand in awe of you for a moment. We stand in awe of how great you are how big you are, how wise and vast you are. And and God, we don't take it for granted that you would come and speak to us. Lord, speak to us by your word. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Have you ever gone to take a selfie of yourself and uh, you go take a selfie because you think you look really good, and then you turn the camera around uh, onto yourself, and you're like, oh, no, <laughs> I didn't realize my hair looked like that. I didn't realize my face looked like that or that there were such big bags under my eyes. I thought I looked awesome, and then here I am turning the camera around, and I don't look as good as I thought I did. Um, or have you ever been shopping and walk, walked by a mirror and catch a glance of yourself and realize you know, your outfit's not what you, how, as cool as you thought it was, or you thought you looked a certain way, you didn't realize, you know, what you look like. And for me, that's been my experience in the past week or so with the Word of God. You know, I thought I looked one way. I thought I looked pretty good. <laughs> and then the Word of God is just revealing to me uh, spots and areas that really just need to be refined and changed and God is so good at just the right time to show us these things that need need improvement. That, uh, you know, the improvement that we make in the presence of God is for our good. The improvement that we make helps us. It's it's not a punitive thing where God is is looking to to hurt us or to uh, make us cult members that all look the same and follow uh, weird rules. His instructions are to for our benefit. They're for the benefit of those around us. And you know, we don't even realize sometimes that we're walking around wounded. We're walking around disfigured spiritually, spiritually wounded, spiritually disfigured. And God says, I want to heal you, make you whole and perfect so that you can help more people. So in the presence of God, his adjustments to our lives are, are, are hard, but they're for our benefit. And So lately, the Lord's just been putting a mirror right up to me. And today, with what we're talking about, I hope that a a mirror is put up in in front of you, that you could see clearly for a moment into God's Word and, and, and make some adjustments because we think that we're doing okay. And that's the worst place to be when you think that you are just doing great because... 
God wants us to do even better. No matter what place we get to, there's room for improvement. When we start to think about how big God is, we talked about this a little bit last week uh, in the podcast called Sit With Me. We talked a little bit about how huge God is over every country and nation and tribe and tongue. And he's this huge God. And if we ever think that we have a corner on who God is, we're missing out. We, we, We don't. If we ever think we understand faithfulness, we don't. If we ever think that we understand grace, we can't. We can't fathom even a corner of the wisdom of God. And that's why we continually need to be sitting back in his presence. We need to be getting ourselves back into the the Bible and in prayer time so that God can renew our mind. He can adjust us and change us. And it's so beautiful what he does. Well, I want to focus on two words today. The first word is margin, and the second word is bedrock. Margin and bedrock. So we're going to take a look at Psalm chapter 18, verse 31, and we're going to zero in just on this verse particularly today. Psalm 18, 31. We're not going all over the place. We're looking great here. This is a Psalm of King David. And he writes the psalm as a young man, but then he refers back to it at the end of his uh, rule. And in 2 Samuel, you could read this exact same psalm. But we're looking in Psalm 18, 31. It says this, Who is God? Only the Lord. Who is the rock? Only our God. That's it. I'm not going to go back or forward or anywhere else. We're focusing right on that. I'm going to read it again. Psalm 18, 31. Who is God? Only the Lord. Who is the rock? Only our God. So I said we want to focus on two words, margin and bedrock. The first word, margin. When we think about the margin in our lives, a margin is that little uh, line paper that you had at school. It's that little area, the red line, that little area to the left. It's that area where nothing is written. It's that area where there's extra space. It's that uh, area off to the side. Margin. When I think about a margin on my computer, when I have a lot of tabs open, if I look over to the side and there's that little bit that reminds me that there's a desktop screen behind all my open tabs, uh, it, it reminds me that there's a bigger picture. There's more than just what's open in front of me on the screen. A margin helps us gain perspective. A margin helps us from getting blindsided because a margin helps us see that there's more. A margin helps us take a look back and not look just at the writing, but that there's more than just what's written right there. It's more than just what we see right two inches in front of our face. It helps us see more than just one thing. Reminds us that there is more. It helps us to see outside. Why is a margin important when I'm talking about who is the Lord? A margin is that area of your life where you stop what's right in front of your face to look bigger, where you stop what you're doing at the moment to look outside of yourself. And I think a margin is an area that we as a people group, we as Americans have ignored. We have pushed margins until they're, they're smaller and smaller and smaller, until they're non-existent, and we go full force at the task. We talk all about being present, be in the moment, be right here. Be in the moment. Look right here. But I really feel like God wants us to always keep margin, always keep perspective. Always, the Bible continually says, keep your eyes on things above. You have a hope that's an anchor for your soul, that you look look bigger at life. 
that though something may be right in front of your face, remember that there's a margin. Remember that there's more. As you walk through a trial, remember that that's not all of life. Eternal life is so much bigger than the crisis right two inches from your face. Remember to have a margin in your life, to have perspective, and that margin in our lives reminds us who God is and who we are. So we're going to come back to margin, but let's look at our second word, bedrock. Bedrock is uh, the rock that sits underneath everything else. It's the base of everything else. My husband, John, preached a sermon uh, in the beginning of January about uh, resolutions and and how in our resolutions, we say we're going to prioritize things. We're going to put God first, then our marriage, then our family, then our ministry, and we have to put things in order that God is always first. And he said he, he proposed to us that instead of just putting God first, yes, put God first, but then put God first in your marriage, put God first in your family, put God first in your job, put God first in every area of your life. So it's not listed one, two, three, four, five. It's God in everything. God first in everything. God first in my friendships. God first in my finances. God first in every area of our lives. He is that bedrock. He's what lays underneath it all. He is the foundation and everything is built on top of that. And so in Psalm 18, when it says, who is the rock? Who is the bedrock? Who is the foundation? Of course, it is God. Bedrock is what lays underneath it all. Who is your God? Who is your rock? And you know, when we take a look in the mirror, we think we look a certain way. We quickly could tell what we look like, but then we look in the mirror and maybe you realize you have more gray hair than you ever thought. Maybe you realize that uh, you look a little different than you imagined. And I think with this verse, we quickly would say, we have the answer that we have this down. But I think when we look closer in a mirror, we see that we may not have it as all together as we think that maybe we have a little adjustment to make. If I were to ask you, who is God? You would all know that uh, the God of my life is, is God the Father. It's Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit, period. I got that. It's true. I don't need to look in a mirror for that. I know who God is. Who is the rock? Well, that's God. I know that. I'm, I'm set on that. My whole life is set on that. Let's look a little deeper. When we say, who is God in your life? Who is the rock? Who is the bedrock in your life? Let's look at some different areas. If God were to ask you to do something, if he were to give you a task, like he gave a task to Daniel to go uh, into the lion's den, or he gave a task to Abraham to leave his family and go somewhere else. He gave a task to Moses to lead people, for Joseph to uh, go to Egypt. He gave tasks to person to Esther, to uh, Deborah, to uh, the John the Baptist, to Matthew, and to Simon Peter. And he gave tasks out to people. So if God is to give you a task, I want you to imagine God giving you direction, instruction. Here's what I want you to, to do. God tells you to do something. Here's my first question to you. Is money an issue? Is money our God? Are our finances our God? It's easy to have a quick answer and say, of course not. Of course not. Do you trust God with your money? Because here's the thing. Your money could come and go in an instant. Do you see that? 
It could come and go in an instant. I was talking to a friend today and she was telling me about how her company had downsized. And people, uh, yesterday was a big day and, and hundreds of people lost their job in an instant. Their lives were going in one direction and now a sharp turn and they're going in another direction and they no longer have a job. Money cannot be our bedrock because it is changeable. It is fickle. The Bible talks more about money than almost any other subject because we get tripped up. Uh, The Bible says you can't have two gods. You can either love money or God, one or the other. You can't love both. One has to be in a higher place. Is your God money? Does what God asks you to do depend upon your money? And here's the other question. If your money is not your God, if your money is not your God, then why do you hold on to it so tightly? If money is not your security, then why aren't you tithing? Why aren't you giving? Why aren't you generous in life with other people and with missions? Why do we hold so tightly to money if it is not our security? Has money become your security? That's a look in the mirror. If you didn't have money, would you still trust God? I dare say you would trust God even more. I dare say that money is a holdup that keeps us from trusting God. Is money your God? Secondly, are relationships your God? God, I will serve you as long as my kids stay healthy and safe. God, I will serve you as long as my spouse stays faithful to me. If my spouse cheats on me, then God forget you. You must not be here. When difficulties come, has God changed? Absolutely not. When difficulties come in money, when difficulties come in relationships, will he then leave you? Will God then forget about you? Has he even changed? Has God changed? You know, there's a a Facebook challenge going around saying, how has aging affected you? And they go back 2009. Here's what you look like in 2019. What do you look like? And I saw a Facebook post and it was Jesus Christ, 2019, Jesus Christ, uh, 2009 verse 2019. And nothing has changed. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same when you have a lot of money and when you have no money and whatever happens in your future. He is the same if your children serve him or your children don't serve him. He is the same God. He has not changed. If your spouse cheats on you and leaves you and forgets about you, God hasn't changed. If your friends come, God hasn't changed. If your friends go, he hasn't changed. We have to set our our face before a bedrock that doesn't move. Who is the rock in your life? And if things go up or things go down, God has not changed and he never will. But have these things become your motive. Have these things become your God. Are you doing things to impress relationships? You're doing things to impress people more than you're doing things to impress God. That goes back to what has God asked you to do? Are you doing the thing that God has asked you to do? Or are you getting caught up with what your friends have asked you to do? Are you getting caught up in what your children are demanding of you? And yet God has asked something else. Follow God first. Who is your God? Are your children your God? Sit and think for that. Are your children your God? 
Is your spouse elevated in a place above God in your life? Are your friends elevated above what God has asked you to do? And when your friends say, hey, let's go and do this, even though you know it's contrary to the thing that God has called you to, are you uh, just prostituting yourself out to anyone who asks you to do something? Are you doing things you know you shouldn't do because your friends asked you to? Or your colleagues at work? Who is your God? Because when you pander to people who, who are asking you to do bad things, they become elevated above what God has asked you. They become your God. They are a rock and they will shift and they will change and they will blow in the wind. Who is your God? Is money your God? Are relationships your God? Is your position in life your God? As long as you feel respected, you'll serve the Lord. As long as you feel honored, you'll serve the Lord. Or has it switched that it doesn't matter, come uh, gossip or, or, or dissension or backbiting, or it doesn't matter, you will still serve the Lord because you know him to be true. Is your identity solid and founded in Jesus Christ? Or is your identity come first? Is your pride come first and then God? I'll do this, God, as long as I don't look bad. I'll care about people as long as it doesn't cost me anything or I don't look stupid. A lot of things that God has asked me to do, I feel like it makes me look silly. A lot of places that God has asked me to go into, ministries he's asked me to do, they make me look dumb. But then in the long run, God shines through. People have made fun of me for the things that I've done. People have, have looked down on or, or, or talked about the things that I have done. But God is the one who is my God. He is my Lord and I follow him. And everything comes along later. And even if these people don't figure it out or they don't see the hand of God, that's fine. I'm not serving them. I am serving God. Who is your God? Who is your rock? Is it your position and your pride? So is it money? Is it relationships, children, spouse, friends, colleagues? Is it position or pride? Next, as we look deeper into this m mirror, you know, for Christmas, I got this 10 times mirror and you uh, turn on a little light and then it magnifies you 10 times and you can really see every little part of your face. And that's what we're talking about today. We're going a little deeper and looking at every little part of our heart and saying, who is your God? Without looking in a mirror, you would automatically say, Jesus is my God. But look a little deeper and look into your life. Look 10 times mirror times, like turn on a light and look in the mirror. Here's the next one. Have you become your own God? Yourself, your own wisdom, your own ideas. Have you placed yourself on the throne? I know what God says, but here's what I say. It's my life. I'm living it my way. Or have you surrendered your life to God? And if you surrendered your life to God, you need to start listening to the still small voice that's the Holy Spirit that will lead and guide you. Are you listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit or are you listening to your own voice? It's black and white. It's one or the other. It's nowhere in the middle. Are you listening to God or yourself? Who is directing and guiding your life? If it's yourself, if you wake up in the morning and you go about your day and you forget to th even think about the Lord, never mind letting him guide you, then you are your own God. 
if God is God, then you wake up in the morning. And this is me before I even get out of bed. I say, okay, God, this day belongs to you. Okay, God, whatever you have for me, open my ears to listen. And all throughout the day, I'm calling on the name of God. I'm remembering not just to remember him, but I'm placing him in the highest place, listening for his still small voice in how I do everything from uh, where I get gas to how I drive my car. And I still live in this earth and I'm still earthly good. I'm not too heavenly minded for the earth, but I'm listening and he's guiding me and he's directing me. He is God in my life. If he says, don't go here, I don't go here. If he says, don't go get coffee at this place, I don't get coffee at that place. If he says, say it, I say it. If he says, stop, I stop. If he says, go, I go. He is God in my life. Is he God in your life or do you direct your own path? Are you relying on your own wisdom and your own understanding? Are you relying on money, relationships, position, on yourself? Here's another one that goes with self. Are you relying on your own emotions or feelings? God is God until I feel fearful. God is God until I feel embarrassed. God is God until I feel uncomfortable. It's like a diet. I will diet until I see ice cream. I will diet until someone cracks open a bag of chips. I will diet until I don't feel like it anymore. Or has God become your God so that emotions and feelings don't dictate your obedience to what he says? There will be times where it does not make sense to you because you are human and he's God. There are times where it won't feel easy. There are times where it will feel painful. There will be times of sacrifice and surrender of so many things, but you realize that he's God and so it's worth it. He's God. He's God. It's not based on my feelings or my emotions. It's not based on money, relationships, position, myself, my feelings. Other people's opinions cannot be my God. When I know that God's called me, when I know that God has told me to do something, I can't let other people's opinions dictate what I do or do not do. If I do, then that is my God. The other area we can get hung up on is is ministry becomes our God. And we enter into a ministry that maybe God has told us to enter into, and then years go by and we're still doing it without ever checking back in with God. And we do it out of routine. And we do it out of uh, everyone else enjoys that I do this. Everyone else looks up to me when I do this. Everyone else applauds me as I do this. And your ministry becomes your God and not the voice of the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to lead us. If we've made a commitment, we have to keep our commitment. You know, if God has called us to commit to a year or two years or three years or five or ten, then we keep that commitment. But we can't just go on with things year after year, never consulting the one who called us in the first place. Because there are seasons of ministry. And sometimes God will pull us back out of something that's going really well. But if we're not listening to him, we'll just continue because it feels good. And our ministry becomes our God. Another thing that becomes our God is our pastor or our church. And we look to our pastor's opinion more than we look to God's opinion. And I'll tell you what, we could avoid probably 95, 98% of our counseling times if people would go to God instead of to us. If people would seek first the kingdom of heaven, if people would get on their faces before God and ask him, they would get so much better answers than if they came to John and I at our church. But people come to us as if we're mini gods, as if we speak for the Lord and we do not. 
There's this thing called the priesthood of the believer. In the tabernacle, they were set up the Holy of Holies and there was a curtain. And when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was split in two. And now there's access for every single believer to the throne room of the, of the God of the universe. There is access for you. There's, prayer is not based for certain people and not for others. Prayer is for everyone. Access to God is for everyone. The Holy Spirit is for everyone who believes and calls on the name of the Lord. And if you have believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you've uh, become born again, you're no longer born of earthly flesh alone, but you're also born of the Spirit and you have access to God. And so if you would get before God, if you yourself would get before God, then you're not going to make your pastor your God. You're not going to have an emergency meeting with your pastor because you need him. You need God. Your church is also not your God. God designed the church to spur one another on through love and good deeds. He designed the church so we could be on mission together. But if you think that going to church on Sunday is enough, then you are just so mistaken. You have access to God yourself on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. You don't go to church to get filled up for the rest of the week. That's ridiculous. You go to the throne room of grace to get filled up on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. You don't come to church to get filled up. You come to church to celebrate with other believers, to magnify God together because all of God's people who have been seeking him all week are in the same place. But unfortunately what happens is all these dread, dead, dry bones come together and they're seeking for, for life and living water because they haven't gone to the, the source themselves. Go to the source yourself. And then God says, don't forsake the, the meeting of the brethren. Bloom where you're planted. Stay where you're planted. Get into the house of God. But that's not where you go to meet God. You go to meet God in your prayer closet. You go to meet God in the evening when you get home from work. You, you go to meet God when you kneel at the end of your bed. You go to meet God when you open up the word. Friend, so many things have, have come in our path and become gods to us. If all your money were gone, imagine that right now. Imagine your bank account's at zero and you're getting none of it back. Imagine all your money is gone. Imagine all your relationships are gone. Imagine your position is gone. Imagine uh, other people's opinions are flying at you and imagine your emotions and feelings are running wild. Your ministry is done. Your church is no longer. Would, would that send you into a downward, downward spiral of depression or would it send you to your knees to worship the living God? We look at the book of Job and all those things that, that, that happened to him, that everything was taken from him, his, from his children to his wife to his money to his property to even his friends, and everything was gone. And he never wavered in his trust in the Lord. I think if, if any one of those things were to be taken from us, it would rock us. It would change us. It shouldn't. That just shows us that those things 
maybe in too high of a place in our heart. Does all my money really belong to God? And if it does, why am I spending more on coffee than I am on missions? Am I honoring God more than I'm honoring my own wallet? Am I honoring God more than I'm honoring my children or my spouse or my friends or my colleagues? Do I spend more time with them than I do with God? Am I more interested in their opinions than God's? Do I care more about my kids than I do about God? Do I care more about what other people think? Do I care more about myself than I do about God? Who is more important to you, yourself or God? That's a huge change. It's a huge question. (laughs) Psalm 18, verse 31. Who is God? Only the Lord. Who is the rock? Only our God. We need margins in our lives so we can look beyond what's going on right here in front of us. We need margins in our lives or we start to think that money is actually really important or we start to think that our relationships are the most important. You need to look on the margin. You need to look at the bigger picture. You need to look at heaven. You need to look at eternal life, eternity, and see what really matters. See more than one thing. Otherwise, we get blindsided. And when one of those things is taken away from us, we lose all our trust in God. How can that be? That means that we were trusting in that thing. We're not robots. We have emotions. We, we, we are attached to things and people. And, uh, but what the Word of God does is it separates our intention and our motives. And when we look at our motives and our intentions, then we can place God really first in every area of our lives. Not just uh, number one, God's number one, but God's also number one in my money. He's also number one in my emotions. And he's number one when I hear someone else's opinion of me. My identity is founded in Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, all these other things, though I might be sad for a season or things might hurt my feelings, they don't rock me. They don't change me because my rock is God and that never changes ever. It hasn't changed since the beginning of, the t- of time and it will never change. He is my bedrock. He is unchangeable. In every season, he stays the same. When I go through ups and downs, he doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he will be the same forever. And if God really is the most important thing in my life, I have to live that way. I have to live that way. It's not just a thought or a belief. It's a life, a living, as he's the most important. It's not a Sunday thing or a Wednesday night thing. It's an everyday, every moment thing that he is most important. And when I take a look into this mirror of the Bible, I don't just give a quick answer. Oh yeah, God is God and he's my rock. He is the rock. Is he the rock of every area of your life? If we look at God as the bedrock, many of us are like a... um, a rock climber that's like propelling off the rock, you know, with a rope attached to the rock, but we're just hanging there. We're hanging there by this rope. (laughs) Can you picture that? Can you picture a rock climber hanging off this big giant rock and he's climbing it, 
That's most of us. That's most Christians. And God says, I want you to get up and stand on the rock. I don't want you just hanging on by a rope. I want you standing on it. I want both feet planted firmly on the rock. And then when the waves come and the winds blow, it won't change you. You've found yourself in Christ. So today, if you feel like you're propelling off the rock and just hanging on by by a thread, or you feel like you're climbing up a rock, but you're not steady, God wants you steady 110% on Him, stable on Him. And then when, when, when money goes away, or relationships go away, or position falls, or people's opinions come, it doesn't change you. It's not going to sway you. But if you're just hanging on, or you're standing away looking at the rock then you're fair game for for the weather. You're fair game for trials and things to move you. But if you're standing on a rock, there's the parable of the man who built his house on the sand and then a man who built his house on a rock. The man who built the house on the sand, when the winds came and the waves came, his house collapsed. But the guy who built the house on the rock, when the winds came and the waves came, his house stood strong. Right now, Build your house on a rock. Right now, build your money, your relationships, your position, your self, your emotions, others' opinions, your ministry, your church. Build it all on the rock of Jesus. Listen to his voice. Be obedient to his voice first before everything else. He guides your choices. And then you'll be steady and strong. Then you will find yourself in him. Your identity will be found in him. And nothing will move you. Things might upset you. You might go through a hard period of time, but nothing will move you because Jesus is the same as he was in 2009, as he is in 2019. His picture doesn't change like ours does. He doesn't grow tired or weary. He is strong in a way that we can't even describe strong. He is wise in a way that we can't even comprehend. He is so beyond America and South America and Asia and Africa and Russia. He's beyond all of those continents. He's beyond all the governments. He's beyond um, all the constellations and galaxies. And he is beyond us. And he says, come and stand on me. Let's pray. God, We want you to be our God. We want you to be our rock. We want to stand on a God that doesn't move. We want to know something beyond ourselves, and we know it's supernatural to be set on you. We know that it's beyond ourselves. And God, I know how how feeble I can be. God, I know how weak I can be, but God, I know how strong you are. So God, I pray that I be found in you. I pray that I be found setting on a rock that doesn't move from age to age to age. Lord, I know that we, we live in love of eternity. We don't live just for today. We look at the margins. We look at the bigger picture. We gain perspective and we see that God, you are beyond us. So help us to keep our attention on you, our lives to be found on you. God, I pray for those that are just hanging on by a rope. They're just hanging on uh, for dear life to the rock. God, I pray that they would climb up and set their feet on you, that they would trust you in every area of their lives, that there would be nothing that separates them from you. God, we want to know you. God, we want to be found in you. There's such security in you. There's nothing that will change you. God, change us to be more like you. Change uh, change us to see you better, clearer. Clear our vision, God. Help us to be found in you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.